Three peeps in a podcast. My name is Patch, but not with me is Rich, who always joins me on these these regular shows. Unfortunately, he couldn't make this one. Some commitments with family. However, I have got co-host with me today, and it's someone who's had had us numerous times on his show on BBC Upload on Radio Bristol, and that is Adam Crowther. Adam, how are you, sir? No, I'm not too bad. How are you, Pat? You all right? Uh, yeah, I can't grumble too much. Uh, started to go back into the office now one day a week, so normality is slowly creeping in. Um, you know, it was great to have a walk around Queen's Square, around the harbour side, just to be back in amongst it in Bristol. I feel like an, an alien in my own city at times. Do you know what? I've done a few things over the last couple of weeks that have meant that I've gone back out into the real world. Number one, I've been going to sort of like lots of little local gigs in and around Bristol, which is great because of my job. You know, I champion new talent. So that's been amazing. Um, but the one thing that I've done that I haven't done in probably about two years was I went to an arena for a gig and I went over to the Cardiff Motor Point. So not a huge arena. It's about 5,000 people, isn't it? Which I think is the most amount of people I've been around summed up over the last sort of two years really um so yeah it's been sort of a bit of a weird one for me getting back to normality again mm. like that as well absolutely how, how was the, how was the gig yeah it was really good actually so the one at the motor point arena was for an artist called Cassa jackson who i gave her her first ever radio play on bbc upload and she has sort of gone on and on and on with her career. She supported the Jacksons um, just before COVID out in Europe, which was insane. Um, and then she announced that she was doing this tour supporting JLS, of all people. So um, yeah. she's perfect for that sort of audience as well. So, yeah, she was like, come along. So me, Big Boss Jess from Radio Bristol and Dean, who is one of the producers at Radio Bristol, we all went across to, to Cardiff to go and watch her, which is quite nice, actually. Absolutely fantastic. No, that's great. And it's great to be back in amongst those sorts of events. So, um, yeah, great. Um, so this podcast uh, came about on Saturday evening. I bumped into um, my my wife's. <laughs> I'm going to have to get this right. I'm going to get it wrong, aren't I? <laughs> so my wife's auntie um, and uncle who uh, were at my mother-in-law's 70th birthday party. We're, we're okay so far. So speaking to speaking to Will Fox Powell about his son, Mark Fox Powell, uh, about what he's up to these days. And he said that he is working for the Open University studying icy moons, okay, amongst <laughs> other things. So this this inspired me to have a conversation with him then about my my... <laughs> dipping my toe in the water of astronomy and sitting out on a night looking up at the stars wondering what's going on up there often rushing out to see the international space station go over etc and he sent me some videos which i watched some some talks that mark's done and uh, i was really interested with with what mark had to say then i saw on twitter adam crowther posting about star constellations um actually drawing lovely diagrams adam i must say um so i contacted adam and said uh Adam, you seem like you've got an interest in the stars. And it turns out you used to work in a planetarium. Yeah, I've got to say that you've given this great big build-up to Mark, uh, and he's an absolute expert <laughs> with university qualifications and all this business. I worked for six months when I was 16 doing like a summer sort of job working in a planetarium, pointing out some things that were already pointed out on a screen. So I'm nowhere near as qualified as the guest that you're about to introduce. But you've got, you've got an interest. That's good <laughs> enough for me. Um, more of an interest than Rich would have had, that's for sure. And it was great yeah. to see you play dot to dot on uh, on Twitter. But back <laughs> to you, Mark. Mark, thanks so much for for coming on Three Peeps in a podcast. And uh, yeah, I was absolutely blown away with uh, with what you had to say on those on those calls. And I'll I'll tweet uh, those later. But first of all, how are you, sir? Yeah, um, not too bad. Thanks. Thanks very much, both of you, for having me on. And um, actually, I think working in a planetarium is gonna you're gonna have more knowledge about the night sky than i do i don't spend much time i mean i do love looking at the stars but my job does not involve really any telescopes or any kind of looking up looking up i do a lot of lab work and a lot of sort of chemistry a lot of looking down looking down yeah um so yeah yeah, i think i've probably got some stuff to learn from from both of you actually um about about the sky 
No, but thanks so much for coming <laughs> on. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's something that's been interesting. And I was inspired by looking up at the stars and looking for satellites and things like that. Um, I guess by my dad, he's always had an interest in that. We would often sit when I when I lived at home, sit out on a warm summer's night, looking up and pointing out a satellite or two or three or maybe more um meteor showers and things like that but uh but mark let's just talk about you and how you got into your role first of all and then we'll come on to the role itself yeah i mean I, so in terms of science I, you know i've done a lot of, I, i've kind of taken this weird sort of complicated route to get to where i am um now and i definitely did not start out at university thinking i was going to end up doing this I've kind of ended up doing a job that I thought I wanted to do when I was about 10. I had no idea that it was going to be like it is now. But um, when I was about 10, I think I was wanting to look up, wanted to do exploration of the solar system and look at planets and all this kind of stuff. And then I sort of forgot about that for, I don't know, ages until I went to university. And and I did marine biology at university because I'd been on a a kind of diving conservation trip. it, uh, between sort of school and uni, and that kind of really triggered my interest in 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 the in the, in the oceans, right, in the sea. And um, but through doing that, I just kind of ended up getting really, really into this into the big questions about uh, life and what 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 life really is, and what leads to the origin of life on a planet. Um, and I, I was thinking, you know, this is the kind of stuff that you hear people talk about in documentaries, you know, NASA scientists or whatever, talking about this in documentaries. And maybe one day if I, if I go into a scientific career, then in the distant future, I'll, I can start thinking about life on other planets. And as I was sort of thinking, oh, I'll choose a career. Maybe I'll do a PhD in microbiology so that I can, you know, steer my career in that direction one day. I actually saw a, a PhD program advertised, which was a PhD in astrobiology. Wow. And like, so these two words get shoved together, right? And you think, what is that? Um, <laughs> but astrobiology is effectively the, the, trying to understand uh, life in its cosmic context, right? So ha- how common or rare is life in the universe? Um, and, and what are the processes that might lead to life emerging on a, on a planet? You're basically so, studying all of the questions that everyone wants to know. You're, you're getting there firsthand. Yeah, yeah. So my, my PhD supervisor used to say that, that, that the questions behind astrobiology are some of the oldest questions that humanity has ever asked. You know, are we alone in the universe? Like, what, how do we get here? Why, why are we here? Um, are there other beings elsewhere kind of looking back at us, wondering if they're alone, you know? Um, there was a great uh, quote that I always um, refer back to. I think it was from Arthur C. Clarke. Uh, Two possibilities exist. Either we are alone in the universe or we are not. Both are equally terrifying. Adam, your thoughts on that quote? I mean, it's absolutely right, isn't it? Both are incredibly terrifying. If you sort of think about it in the sort of plainest form. But I think that the thing that really fascinates me is that there is, in my opinion, I'm basing this on no scientific sort of knowledge mark will be able to correct us in a moment no doubt um there there is no doubt that there's got to be some sort of life out there it's just about how we classify what sort of life is you know so are there big green martians with sort of boggly eyes and whatnot very much doubt that however there has got to be sort of living beings of some sort with that sort of microbes little bugs and stuff like that that no doubt will be roaming around on planets on moons on whatever knocking about knocking about on other planets (laughs) Um, i mean being and screwing around on rocks and stuff exactly yeah Yeah, there's there's some there's some great bits of information um from from the talk that you did with three of your colleagues um mark and one of the one question was asked around is there life outside of of earth and with 250 billion suns in our galaxy the chances are quite high that definitely is i think you're on safe on firm footing saying that making that claim you know um there's a lot of stars we've got a big galaxy there's billions of other galaxies out there you think you know there's got there's the chances are pretty high but the thing is you have to remember is that we actually don't have any evidence yet that there is life outside Earth. Now, I don't, that doesn't mean that I think it's unlikely. I think it is quite likely, which is why I'm involved in, in looking um, at other places in our solar system where we think there, there could be life. But um, 
we have yet to find it. So yeah, that's that that's that question. I think if, if we did find life somewhere else in our solar system, that would be pretty smoking gun sort of evidence that it's everywhere, right? So it happened twice within the same solar system. Mm. Yeah, by extrapolation, it should be everywhere. But if it, if we don't find it in our solar system elsewhere, you know, then you start thinking, oh well, the conditions on Mars in the distant past should there should have been life there, but there isn't. So what's going on? Like, why is the Earth so different? What's so special about the Earth? I guess um, it's the, I've, I've watched lots of documentaries over the years, and it's the position of the Earth in relation to the Sun and the rest of the planets that obviously makes it the temperature for you know humans to live on. So that there's that, but you know we're talking billions of years, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so the thing that's the Earth has a lot of sort of special things of kind of come together with the Earth. You know, as you said, it's been in this, it's in this zone of distance from the sun where it's not too hot, not too cold, liquid water can exist on the surface. And not only that, but it's been like that for billions of years. So this life has had time to kind of evolve and become really complex like it is now. But also, you know, as some other factors as well, like the fact that Earth is the only planet we know of that has plate tectonics, um, right? And what's the link between that and life? I mean, that recycles some of the chemicals from the surface into the deep earth and then back again. And those that cycling actually keeps energy out of um, out of falling into a kind of pit of energy where you where you lose all the energy for life. Uh, another thing is the moon, right? We have a big moon and that actually keeps the earth tilt stable. So uh, without the moon, the earth would be tilting all over the place and the climate would be going crazy. It'd be getting super cold, super hot. And um, yeah, that wouldn't be good either. So all of these things have kind of come together to make the Earth a really, really special place for life. That's it's a great a segue, recipe, isn't it? It is. It's a great segue into moons. So uh, a question for Adam: Which moon would you say is the largest moon in the solar system? Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be one of Jupiter's moons, no doubt, hasn't it? Close, ish. <laughs> I mean, it kind of depends what you count. <laughs> So I was, I think Patch might be referring to it because I was talking about this in this other talk that Patch was mentioning. And um, Saturn has a big moon and Jupiter has a big moon, right? But they're, they're really, really similar in size. So if you count the atmosphere of, as a, of a planet as part of that planet, then Titan, a moon of Saturn, is the largest in the solar system. But if you think about just the, the, the surface, like the, the actual solid surface, and Ganymede, which is the moon of Jupiter, is... Well, that's what big. you were going for, Adam. That's what you yeah, were going for. Yeah, I mean, I was yeah, yeah. wasn't I? Somehow-ish. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, it's fa- absolutely fascinating. I think you all went around and and, and picked which was your favourite moon. Um, and, right. and yours being Titan, the largest in the solar system. Larger than Mercury, in fact. Um, yeah, yeah. The only moon to have an atmosphere. But Adam, what, what really fascinated me was it's got a very deep ocean, uh, which is... It was it was like 100 kilometers deep in most places. Is that right, Mark? Yeah, that's right. Um, so this is something that that people might not quite realize, but we now know that oceans are actually pretty common in the in the solar system. So once you get out past Mars and past, so you have Mars, you have the asteroid belt, and then out past that, it's so cold that water is the, the moons and stuff you find out there have tons of water. Most of it's frozen on the surface, but if you go underneath the surface you have liquid. So moons like Titan and Ganymede, and also a couple of more, Europa, a moon of Jupiter, uh, and Enceladus, another moon of Saturn. These have icy surfaces, but underneath that is these really deep uh, oceans of liquid water, uh, which is one of the one of the places we think is the most likely to find life outside Earth. Yeah, and you said that, that Titan, you, we could actually visit Titan if we, if we could get there. But, and have um, oxygen and a very thick winter coat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. that's right. So the temperature on Titan, so Titan, has, as you said, Titan has an atmosphere, right? And, and the atmosphere is thick enough that you wouldn't need a spacesuit. It is really, really cold. Uh, so you're talking about uh, something like minus minus 120 degrees. Yeah, six times six times the, the 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 freezer temperature. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So you need to wrap up pretty warm, and there's no oxygen, so you need you need oxygen mask like you do on Mount Everest or something. Mm. But apart from that, yeah, we'd be all right. Oh, fantastic, Adam. Um, 
your your constellation picture and the fact that you you actually you know enjoy, that picture on your from your iPhone was absolutely fantastic. Have you got a, a, the latest iPhone or? I have got the latest iPhone. I've spent a fortune uh, on a phone. I'm one of these Apple nerds, as well as being a bit of a space nerd. I absolutely love my my photography, and I think that there's a being in journalism and stuff. You're always told the best camera is the one that you've got on you, and actually, you can. I shoot better quality stuff off my iPhone than they shoot on the telly for Points West. Fact <laughs> on those big, huge things that they have on their shoulders. I can get 4K, 25 frames a second on this iphone in my pocket and they're still shooting in sd on these big things on their shoulder right. it's just madness isn't it um but yeah so i was stumbling home from um the pub on sunday <laughs> evening in western supermare and i live on quite a dark street not too far from the seafront in western right opposite a park and i was like oh look at that doesn't that look lovely and i thought i'll give it a go let's see and actually the, the picture came out really really well nice. um, there's a few blurry ones and i think i just managed to steady myself just enough to get a nice clear one um, but yeah, really pleased with how it came out. And you can get some amazing shots from just your iPhone in the night sky. So what is your favorite constellation, Adam? Have you got have you got one for us? Well, the very fact that it was in the picture that I took um on Sunday, Orion is just a beautiful constellation, and it was so clear on Sunday night, and that was the constellation that I picked out straight away when I looked up. Just absolutely beautiful. Um, and you know, right around it as well, there was Taurus, there was Gemini, um, and Perseus as well, which is where we often see the Perseids meteor shower. Um, so all of those that I could see from the night sky, and you can probably see if you go out tonight, it looks like a relatively clear night out here mm. in Western Supermare this evening. So I think that if most people were to head out and look up those sort of bright sky, uh, bright stars that you can see in the sky at the moment, what better time to do it? And now that we've got in these longer nights as well, beautiful, yeah. yeah. Mark, for you, obviously, I know I know you're you're a, a studier of moons, but do you, do you often look up at the stars and are you into constellations and that sort of thing? Yeah, so constellations I'm not very good at, to be honest, and and everything. But I love looking up at the night sky and everything I like looking at are the stuff closer to home, so the planets. And uh, depending on the time of year, you can see Mars, you can see Jupiter, uh, and you can see Saturn. So right now, actually, Jupiter's in the sky. It's it's. I think a couple of hours after sunset, it's really, really obvious. It's like the brightest star in the sky. Planets don't twinkle. So if you look at it, you know, it's a steady light, really bright. Um, and Saturn at the moment, oh, I'm not exactly sure where Saturn is, but it's not too far away. If you, because um, all of the planets fall on, on the same arc across the mm. sky, we call it the plane of the ecliptic because it's the plane all the planets orbit around the sun. So they would eclipse each other. That's why it's called the plane of the ecliptic. And that, that follows this kind of arc across the sky so if you see you see one planet and you see you know where the sun has just set you can kind of follow draw a line and all the other planets should be along that so saturn at the moment is is quite close to jupiter it's much fainter but yeah i love i love looking at that i, well, I actually i actually cheat uh, i've got an app called starwalk <laughs> yeah just, uh... that is not cheating patch i <laughs> no, do no. exactly the same thing same here <laughs> it's it's amazing you know you hold your phone up to the sky and it tells you what all the constellations where which planet is which um and satellites too yeah absolutely amazing adam that app isn't it it is brilliant. And there are a couple of different versions of it. And I think because I downloaded it like early days iPhone, I've got the first version of it that has got all of the stuff on it before they started charging for it. Oh, I think right. it's only like 150 or something at the moment or something like that, isn't it? It's not mad expensive. But like you say, you can sort of filter through whether you want to see just the planets or the stars only, or you can pick out and search satellites. So it's always really useful when it gets around to the sort of time when the International Space Station does orbit over the UK, you can sort of pick and predict where it's going to be and uh, you can sort of jump ahead in time to sort of predict an hour or so ahead and go, oh, which way will I need to be looking at when it comes mm. over? Yeah, the ISS Spotter is another favourite of mine that gives you, uh, if it's if it's three stars, that's the, the brightest you'll see it and the angle to look at and all of that sort of stuff. And yeah. it's always just ama amazes me that there are people on the International Space Station when it goes over, Mark, yeah yeah it's incredible um and actually i've seen a couple of times recently where we've had uh astronauts launching in the new spacex dragon capsule. yeah and so i saw them chasing that at one point yeah exactly you can actually see it um from if they launch from florida they come it comes over the uk yeah. or at least sometimes it does and 
yeah, and that's tiny and really faint, but you can just see it and you just think there's three or four people on board that. It's absolutely mind-blowing. It is. It is absolutely incredible. Have you got, I'll start with you, Adam. Have you got, because of your interest in in the stars and the sky, there's a song in that somewhere. Um, yeah. All for one, <laughs> right, I swear. All for one, I swear, I'm thinking of. Um, yeah, yeah. Sing it along. Uh, have you got an interest, a uh, particular like sci-fi interest in, in terms of movies? Right, I'm probably going to upset you both here now. Oh god. I don't like sci-fi films. Why? And I think it's because for the the and this is another one that you know it's it's along goes along with the sort of things of things like Lord of the Rings for me and I just think some of the realism in it is too extreme. So I go, yeah, no, not for me. Fair enough. Too Fair enough. Too far-fetched. It's not even believable. Get it out. You're you're more interested in uh, in the re- the realism of icy moon study. Uh that that um you mark's know, doing that, that yeah. mark's doing that actually is happening <laughs> yeah give me facts please i'll watch a documentary on it all day long but don't bring me star wars and star trek and all that sort of stuff no thanks right. adam is now leaving the podcast <laughs> uh, thank you so much for your time adam Shortest host ever thanks <laughs> um, same question to you mark give me uh, give me some more uh, some more uh, interesting news yeah, uh, what about sci-fi films? Yeah, well, or, uh, yeah, I'm hoping you, you you like some of them. Yeah, well, you can you can imagine that in my sort of line of work, there's a lot of people who are really into their sci-fi. A lot of people seem to kind of come into this type of work because they were into, into that stuff as kids and whatever. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, there's tons of that. I mean, I I actually really like my um, what they call hard sci-fi, which is kind Ooh. of like near future. Um, quite believable so like the technology is not it's not like Star Wars I mean I do like Star Wars from, yeah. from being as a kid and everything but you it's can not stay like the you can of, stay yeah right <laughs> it's not like the fantasy stuff so I don't know if you guys have heard of The Expanse yes uh, show on Amazon Amazon yep. Prime yeah that, so that kind of thing I mean it took me a little while to get into that but that kind of sci-fi is quite like and, and movies about kind of modern day space Apollo 13 is one of my favourite films of all time for example oh, right. I don't know if you'd call that sci-fi, actually. That's, that's, a, that's factual, that's a, Adam, That's a isn't true it? story, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much factual, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's some some theatrical license in there somewhere, but uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I often find myself watching, um, you know, various documentaries and uh, and the sci- sci-fi movies, obviously growing up on Star Wars, more or less, yeah. um, has always been something that's been mass- massively uh, of interest to me. But yeah, you're right, Adam, and... Uh, there is so much out there now. You can go on YouTube and type International Space Station and there's you know, 25, 30 documentaries on that, how it was built, et cetera. So if anyone's, um, anyone's interested, I'm sure there's plenty out there. But is there a particular documentary or something you've watched, Adam, that, that's been really hit the mark? So the thing for me, that, and I do this with everything that I do, whether it's the, the show that I present on Radio Bristol or whether it's me doing interviews with people that are a bit more sort of newsy and hard-hitting, is that I like everything to be nice and accessible and easy to, to sort of comprehend and easy to digest. So whether you are of the sort of super sciencey intelligence of someone like Mark or someone who's coming into being interested in space for the first time, you should be able to sort of get a bit of an understanding on what's been going on uh, or what you can sort of access yourself. And so there is no greater person that does this in any sort of program making that you can watch on telly, on YouTube, whatever, than Brian Cox. He just makes everything make sense in a real easy to understand, to comprehend way. And he will make it sort of so, oh, is that all it is, is it? Oh, okay, I can do that. I can go and look at that in the sky. Or oh, I understand great, that concept. Great voice as well, hasn't he? Yeah, oh, it's yeah. brilliant. So <laughs> sleepy. Brian Cox. Yeah. Look up good at the night actually. sky. Yeah. That is a very good impression. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, brilliant. It's not as good as Keys as Brian Cox, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, what band was he in? Oh, I can't remember for the life of me now. Oh. That's going to bug me. Oh, yeah, I've got, I've got well. Google in Google. front of me now. Get your Google Brian machine out. Cox hmm. and yeah, Dream, of course. Oh, there we go. Of course it was. Yeah. Of course it was. So, Mark, obviously, yep. you know, some amazing work that you're doing, and we've seen pictures of you um, in in what was it, the South Pole, studying studying Not quite the South Pole. Uh, so, I was at, recently I was in uh, Svalbard, which is sort of north of Norway. It's like in the Arctic, okay. more like the Arctic North Pole. Circle. Yeah, north 
Not quite you were just trying to find Santa, weren't you? Not not study ice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> try and wake him up in the summer. Come on, get on with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, just explain for for the listeners what you're actually doing doing on these missions. So, so um, obviously, a lot of what we understand about the solar system comes from either telescopes or from spacecraft, so robotic missions. Um, we don't actually have any pieces of these icy moons to study. So. What we do to understand the um, to understand the data from the telescopes and things is we go either to places on Earth that have some similarity, um, or we do experiments in the lab, and that, that kind of helps us make sense of that data. Um, so that's part. Of, that's what I do. I mean, I do, I do a bit of both. I um, I do lab experiments, which are all kind of pared down to the simplest kind of bits that you can and then I go out into the natural environment so often to the to the arctic places where there's loads of ice for obvious reasons probably because these moons are covered in ice um and, and that's a natural system where it's all messy and there's all kind of complicated things going on and, and it's a combination of the simple lab stuff and the messy natural stuff helps us understand this uh the data from the spacecraft and things mm. so so the ice you're studying on earth yeah compared to the ice on some of these icy moons. I mean, some of them are different compositions, different gases that have that, that have reacted differently, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, there's different there's, there's differences for sure, um, but there's actually quite a lot of similarities. So for example, some of the ice on the surfaces of these moons is thought to be like um, frozen seawater, basically. So if you imagine sea ice, might, it might crack, and, and in that crack, you get upwelling seawater that then freezes again. And you have a crack with with more ice in the middle, but that ice in the middle is actually salty water from the sea. So the same thing is kind of happening on these moons and um, on a much bigger scale, right? So you have these huge cracks over geological time. They fill up with frozen water from underneath. Um, and, and so we can actually go to places on Earth that this is happening and, and look at the look at the kind of chemistry and stuff and understand it a bit from that point of view. Awesome. So what's coming up for you in the future? I mean, we, we've spoken about um, what you're doing now, but there are missions going to different parts of our solar system that take that have, have taken off, if you like, years ago, haven't reached their destination. What's the next big milestone for you in your in your line of work? Yeah, well, everyone's everyone's here. A lot of people here work on Mars, right? So they're all super excited about. They work people. on Mars. That's amazing. Well, they, <laughs> they, in their in their minds, they're on Mars. I'm sure most of the time. Um, they 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 study Mars, I should say. Uh, so they're all excited about these the NASA Perseverance rover, and there's a, a European rover going to Mars next year. But I'm excited about there's two missions. Um, they're both, and neither of them are landing. They're both orbiter spacecraft, uh, unmanned, uncrewed. Um, one of them's launching next year. It's called JUICE, literally JUICE, like orange juice, which stands for Jupiter Icy Moons Explorer. And um, that's uh, that's launching in 2022, and it's going to take seven years to get to Jupiter. Wow. So, yeah, it, a lot of time to get ready. Um, but 2029 should go into orbit around Jupiter, and that's going to study some of these icy moons in detail. We're going to get a lot more information, a lot more images, really, really detailed images of the surfaces, a lot of data about their composition and and, and structure in, 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 in the interior and that kind of thing. So yeah, very excited about that. Just got to wait, a lot of waiting. Well, uh, lucky, lucky for you, you've got time on your side. Um, mm -hmm. uh, how old are you? How old are you, Mark? I'm 34 now. Okay, 34, blimey. Mm -hmm. um, but you've still got... <laughs> this is patch feels old. <laughs> 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 You've got plenty, plenty of years left in the tank in in this field. So you know, in the next thirty years, there's going to be a lot coming your way to to analyze and and um, further research on. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I've met people who have worked on. So, for example, Cassini. It was a mission to Saturn. Um, got there in two thousand and four and ended in twenty seventeen. So it's quite a long mission. But, it, but of course, like the launch was in nineteen ninety six. And it was being developed for 10 years before that. So the people who worked on it, it's their whole careers. And, you know, these outer solar system missions, really, you just do one in your career. So I'm looking at it like that. You know, this will, being involved in something like JUICE will, um, will hopefully kind of carry me through, you know, a lot of, a lot of my career. Um, yeah. So are you, are, you take, are you primarily on the research side or are you going to or have been in the um you know the lecturing side i know you've seen you on the zoom call but are you actually going to be 
presenting more in the coming you know years yeah so um my sort of i've just moved into a new job here at the ou and um the open university and it's still mostly research so i'm doing mostly just research science uh but now a bit of teaching as well um we all of our students here are all distance learning students so we don't have anyone coming on campus um but that's great. I mean, it's it's now we've started the, the trend. You've exactly. The trend. <laughs> <laughs> like, now all the other universities are kind of looking to to the OU to sort of see how they've been doing it for years. Um, so that's it's kind of exciting to be involved in that. Um, there's there's not so much lecturing, but I do a bit of this kind of thing and and a few kind of public talks and things like that. I really enjoy doing that. Um, and actually, we've got a coming up in a couple of weeks. We've got a debate. Um, which anyone can come to if you guys are interested or any of your audience uh, it's OU Wales are hosting it uh, and it, it you just have to register through Eventbrite I can send you a link yeah. uh, the debate question is where is life more likely to exist Mars or the icy moons Ooh. so I yeah where's so your team are you Mark yeah yeah where's your money well I guess I mean and it's going to be icy, icy moons moon. right yeah 100% <laughs> yeah absolutely oh that's fantastic um, I almost don't want to bring the intelligence level of this podcast down a bit by bringing on the next segment. I want to try <laughs> keep keep the Man, uh, talk keep about the, this all day. Keep the intellectual conversation going. Any Mark, um, Adam, have you got any questions for for Mark in terms of his work? I just wonder. I always find it fascinating with people like yourself, Mark. Is is there anyone that you've ever looked to, up to when it comes to um, the, the role that you do, or? other scientists that are sort of in fields that are similar to yours. You know, I mentioned Brian Cox earlier on as someone who I think is brilliant in the world of sort of space and science. Um, and we've got some incredible people from in and around Bristol where this podcast is made, you know, people like Colin Pillinger, who was just an absolute incredible um, force when it came to, to space and moon and, and missions to Mars. Is there anyone that you look up to like that? I mean, Colin Pillinger is a great, uh, example actually because he he worked at the open university and really so the open university have a huge planetary science and solar system exploration sort of uh, uh department and that really is colin's legacy i mean he built that pretty much from the ground up he was one of the first people they employed here to do that so that i mean i probably wouldn't have a job here if it wasn't for colin Pillager. um but i mean actually you know it's a good question i I've actually been really lucky to have people in my kind of immediate environment. So mentors, um, as I was coming up through the kind of junior years of being a PhD student and everything, who've really, really helped me get on the straight and narrow. So that's been great. I've also looked up a lot to some of these kind of more senior scientists involved in space missions, uh, NASA missions, things like this. Um, so a couple of years ago, I, for example, I met Rosalie Lopez. She's a scientist at NASA JPL in, in California, heavily involved in Cassini, did a lot of mapping of the moon Titan. Um, she was, you know, it's almost a bit starstruck meeting someone like that. Um, yeah. And they're quite down to earth people, you know, they're just, they're just people like everyone else. But they've, they've, got, they've had this huge influence on solar system exploration and everything. So, yeah, that, that, that's Nice. That's where my mind goes with that question. I yeah. always find it quite nice as well that you've called them down to earth. People who are in space yeah. that are actually down to earth. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I'm 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 over the moon as another one for, for you and the work that you're doing. Because it sounds like the most fascinating job. Every day is like a new discovery, I bet. Um <laughs> well, like anything, when you get into the the day to day, there is just there's tedious stuff like any other job. Uh, seriously, there's a lot. There's an admin to do. Mm. Um, there's writing to do, which isn't always fun and exciting writing. Mm. Um, the actual kind of what we all got into this to do, which is to do science and make discoveries and, and push knowledge and all that stuff. I mean, the actual times you feel that, it makes it all worth it. But like any job, it has it has its ups and downs, you know. Um, so Mark, so you, when, yeah. when, when, you, when you make a discovery... What, yeah. what protocols are in place in terms of reporting them? Do you go straight to BBC Radio Bristol and phone Adam and say... <laughs> I will now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'd love a little exclusive on space. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there must be there must be some ratification required or what? I don't know. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's much more boring than that, unfortunately. It usually goes through um, peer review. So you'd have to write a kind of report, a paper, scientific paper. 
that goes then out to a journal, which will basically manage a peer review process. So I also involved in peer review. So sometimes I'll get papers from other scientists that are yet to be released into the world come onto my desk and I'll, I'll give my opinion on the um, the kind of the scientific rigor of what they've done. So is it is it valid? Have they used the right methods? You know, are their conclusions supported by what they found? All this kind of stuff. Well, this sounds like um, um, double GCSE science to me. Yeah, I mean, it sort of is. <laughs> Have you got um, the conclusion? Have you got your uh, your hypothesis? What's your methodology? That is exactly <laughs> what it is. Oh, <laughs> like, brilliant. I didn't mean to do the geek voice then, Mark. I'm not calling you a geek, I promise. <laughs> I mean, But it is all those fancy words, isn't it, that they will have yeah. to use in, in reports? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> basically the best science papers are the ones that don't use the fancy language, though. You know, they're, they're the ones that you can anyone can read. It's, yeah. As you were saying, Adam, it's about accessibility. And even within science, you don't want to be using all the jargon because people you'll lose your readers. You need to make it punchy and 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 accessible that's what that's what i really enjoyed about that 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 meeting where it was the four of you and you're getting yeah. questions in from people because everyone could understand what you were talking about um and that that really sort of hit the mark and and grabbed my attention obviously i was watching it because you were in it but i was genuinely interested in hanging off of what everyone was saying so yeah that's great it's it's great to sort of and that that's that's what I think there should be a lot more of, of of breaking down complex messages that we often hear on you know the the news at ten and 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 beyond to making them so that everyone can understand it. I think people can often try and be a little bit too clever, um, and then they end up you know alienating. There's another uh, uh, drop that <laughs> one in there. Um, <laughs> lots of people. Do you, do you get where I'm going with that? Absolutely. And actually, like, I think. We almost have responsibility in science to do that as much as we can, you know, because, you know, a lot of the research we do is, is ultimately funded by taxpayers. Mm. Right. So and, and so then you, you, you know, I'm a taxpayer, you're you're taxpayers, presumably, and, you know, we have a responsibility to kind of feed that back to the people who are ultimately paying for this work. You know, what what is that money being spent on and why? You know, like what's yeah. so important about it? So, yeah, I completely agree. And then coming off the back of that, I guess, Mark, is that a lot of people who are those taxpayers might be thinking, well, what does it matter to us if there is life in a bit of ice on a moon somewhere? Mm -hmm. And ultimately, when it comes back to it, I think that probably there's a lot of relatable stuff that might help us understand our own beings as well, like here on Earth, when we work out stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's hard to it's hard to say that uh, any single discovery out there is going to have you know this effect for our understanding of earth but we definitely by exploring the solar system have come to understand our place in it and you know the earth itself and and how the earth's climate functions for example you know the relationship between the atmosphere and the surface and all these things by comparing the earth to mars and to venus you know we've actually massively increased our understanding of the earth as a whole system that's all connected and that wouldn't really be possible without sort of exploration of space um, and also a lot of the technologies that have come through the exploration of space have been hugely beneficial for medicine and for communications and the internet and and um you know hospital mri scans things like this you know they've all kind of come from uh, initially from developments that are purely just exploration um focused so i think you know in terms of taxpayers and, and the money being spent I mean I firmly believe we should be spending most of our money on problems that are immediately you know we need to solve the climate people's health um, helping people that are in in situations that need help around the world but then a small fraction should be spent on exploring because we just don't know where the next sort of useful discoveries will come from and the, some of the best discoveries uh, have come about as a byproduct of a very of of some research of some sort. Okay, let's have a little bit of fun then. A regular segment on the podcast is the Room of Doom, which we've done live on Radio Bristol uh, a n- number yeah. of times. Yeah, yeah. I know Adam particularly enjoys that segment. So. Um, <laughs> For those who are new to the podcast, it's it's essentially Room 101 from TV, but we've changed the name and uh, just do our own version. Uh, so here goes. Um, I have to I- say, as a representative of the BBC, <laughs> it is absolutely nothing like Room 101 in any sort of legal no, way, shape absolutely, or form. Absolutely. Obviously. Disclaimers <laughs> all over the place. But anyway, so 
we're going to pick something that um, we that has annoyed us. It can be literally anything, a thing, an action, a person, anything. Last on the last podcast, uh, the guest put in rugby, which alienated half <laughs> our audience. So um, he's not going to be popular when he goes out next. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we all put something forward and then we, we take a vote. So you can vote for the other two, basically. You can't vote for yourself. So I'll kick it off. It was my daughter's seventh birthday yesterday. Uh, so lots of things annoyed me yesterday. Obviously, I had a lovely day and uh, fantastic celebrations. But I'm going to throw in uh, kids' birthdays, but I'm going to embellish on that a little bit. So packaging on children's toys. So trying to get all of the the dolls and the various things out of this packaging, the immense amount of plastic, the immense amount of cardboard that we've recycled, um, and those ties that they stick on it and the the elastic. And I've got a slice on my thumb from from actually trying to get that off in haste because she needed it at that precise second. <laughs> so packaging on children's toys, the the amount of wrapping paper from you know our presents, family presents, friends presents that goes to waste. The balloons they they're they're still in there now. They'll be in there for about a week. Um, and the cake, which is always really expensive, tastes very nice. But uh, yeah, it's it's the whole ensemble of of. Uh, of a kid's birthday so uh wow, that really was a rant that part well i know that rich isn't on the podcast he was the professional ranter amongst us so i thought i'd embellish mine a little bit for for those who don't so they don't miss rich too much in this episode but uh but yeah i mean i can pick out of that specifically the packaging on children's toys there we go um okay. adam do you want to go next uh, yeah, mine is phone systems. I had to phone an organisation the other day and the thing that drives me round the bend is that they say, oh, sorry, we can't get to the phone. If you're calling for this, then actually you need this other number. So then I phoned that other number and then they were saying, oh, no, if you phone for that, you've got to phone this other number. I phoned three numbers and all of them were pointing me round like a recycling logo to the, each, each of the other ones. So I was like, well, where do I actually blinking go to if i need this thing sorting so that's sort of my well and you go round, you go round and round in circles and you get progressively angrier as you go around and presumably you're phoning up to find out or or maybe even make a complaint about something and it it can be even worse when you actually get through and then you have to press one press two press three press Mm -hmm. four and you get through to someone explain the problem they take all your security information and they say ah well you actually need to speak to this person and then you have to do it all again so yeah completely uh completely see where you're coming from with that one adam yeah so that's my sort of rant but on a sort of an aside from that which sort of relative i guess is with my work i have to call a lot of people to get them booked on for the show and stuff and even this afternoon um we have phone systems within the bbc that come up as withheld number and for some reason when i dial out from my like laptop skype phone number it shows that i'm in france so i get people going hello I'm like, yeah I'm, I'm not in france i promise so just don't, <laughs> phone systems in general are rubbish whether it's you phoning up an organization and their phone systems naff or me when i'm phoning someone from our naff bbc phone system and they think i'm from <laughs> france or don't pick up because they're like oh i'm not picking up this weird number brilliant no that's fantastic love it um mark what have you got for us I mean, I've got like a whole load of things, but I mean, I'll have to pick one. Pick one, um, and then but, but then we'll just have a few a few more afterwards. All right, all right, okay. Well, what, it's a long. What, what do you want to submit to the uh, to, to to this this? Um, I mean, I was going to have topics. a rant about about Microsoft SharePoint, but I feel like that's a bit too like nerdy work related <laughs> material. SharePoint, so not, te- I won't do that. SharePoint team site or SharePoint communications. Uh, SharePoint Teams. So oh, yeah. I'm with well, you there. It's just, oh, it's just awful. It's just, yeah, I don't know, it doesn't make any sense. But anyway, I think what I'm going to go for, because I had a, a bit of a run-in with these last night, are rice bags, right? So supermarket bags of rice. Yeah. And like you, I always I always think you can just open them like a packet of crisps. Right. <laughs> you, know, you, where you just pull the two two sides and it just it will just open really nicely. <laughs> okay. Like that, and you can pour your rice out. But you go to do that and it splits down the side. Did and you end up with a kitchen floor full of absolutely rice? Absolutely everywhere. Yeah. And then, and then you know, you spend the next however many hours walking around with rice stuck to the bottom of your feet. So, so. so I use I, I use Uncle Ben's. Other rices are available. Um, <laughs> you you tear just in a little bit, and then it stands up in the microwave. And two minutes, bosh, done. Are we talking a different rice? Yeah, I'm talking about sort of dry rice that you cook okay. from 
in a pan, I guess. Okay. That's where I'm going wrong. Patch. I'm, I'm a rubbish cook like you, Patch. I just whack it in the microwave. I buy yeah. them packet rices as well. They are perfect every time, though. You can never get it wrong. Whereas actual rice that's dried, I am rubbish with. Cannot okay. hack it. Well, I tell you what, I need, I'm going to make a lifestyle change based on what you just both said there. <laughs> and and the great thing about uh, these uh, Uncle Ben rices, other rices are available. Um, there's multiple flavours. Um, as Adam said, it's perfect every time. Um, but yeah, maybe if you're doing a risotto or something, you you might need to still go down the the, the dry rice route. But um, yeah, we've we've had a similar one before, and Rich Rich did one about. Uh, packaging and I can't remember what it was it was I think it was like bacon or something when you rip the top off and then it sort of it just rips off down the side oh, the, yeah the bit that's stuck to the corner stays there so you've got like a little hole on either side and so I end up now just yeah. getting a knife and just going round the whole thing but then you can't put it back together when you want to put six rashers back in the fridge or yeah, it's always bank. that little peel me label gets stuck and you're like well that's the bit that you told me to pull and it's not come away <laughs> yeah yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, plenty. Mark, um, we'll just do the votes on on the three that we've selected, and then we'll come back to you for some for some more ranting. Sure, why not? That <laughs> all sounded really good. Um, so just to recap, um, so so mine, I'm going to specify on children's toy packaging. Um, Adam, mine was phone systems, for phone businesses. systems, and then Mark, your your one liner, rice bags. Rice bags. Okay, uh, Adam, you can go first. Where you, where's your where's your money going? I mean, I do sort of like where Mark's coming from, but it doesn't affect me because I don't buy that type of rice. So I'm afraid I'm going to have to go with Patch and your one with the kids' um, toy packaging and stuff. And it's my godson's birthday next week, and I've got to get something. So I know that I'm going to have to try and go, oh, what can I get that's got like at least some sort of recyclable packaging that's not you know the worst thing ever so i'm going to go with packaging kids packaging excellent okay mark i mean kids packaging is also a nightmare so yeah but i because i don't have kids myself um i'm not i'm not interacting with this too much so i think because of the phone system thing i mean i i completely agree that is a, a massive massive headache so yeah i'm going to go with adam's phone system okay Ooh, patch deciding vote Blimey. Um, I think it's got to be phone systems, Adam. Yes. Um, congratulations. Yeah. It's, I win every time I come on. You do. You do. do. 100%, 100% record. Hat trick ball. But um, yeah, I, I felt feel like I should nod to yours as well, Mark, because not necessarily rice packaging, but just packaging in general. And that links back nicely to mine as well. So yeah. packaging's taken a battering on this podcast. Has, yeah. uh, quite rightly but mark what else did you have on your on your pamphlet there um well i just wanted to rant about a couple of things that's absolutely fine <laughs> um, that's what it's what we're here for well one of the one of the things i wrote down was um because i cycle into work right and um i don't know if you, so i live in milton Keynes. i live just outside milton Keynes, and I'm sorry. i don't know if, don't know if you know but if you've heard but <laughs> Roundabouts are a big thing in Milton Keynes. Mm. So it's people not indicating roundabouts ah. really drives me nuts because, I mean, not, it's not, I mean, okay, so, you know, fair enough. You should always be vigilant and be watching out for where people are driving, whatever. But if you're cycling up a slight hill and you've got the momentum going and you see a car coming and you have to stop for that car, but then it turns out they're just turning left and you could have just kept going. That's what drives me mad because I could have just kept that momentum instead of stopping. And then, you know, it's having to start again after they just turn left. Yeah. So anyway, that's so my rant. Just, just a bit of roundabout um, news. Uh, we, we mentioned on the last podcast that... Uh, oh, you've got the Brist- throwback, haven't you? Yeah, Bristol. And specifically um, the, the Ring Road, where me and myself and Rich live off of, um, has now got a throughabout. So Fancy. they've basically... It took a couple of years and six point nine million pounds, but they basically have have got um, a road through the middle of the roundabout. The roundabout's pretty much gone now. So let's just imagine you, you're coming up to what was the roundabout. If you want to go straight on, you go straight on. If you want to go left, you sort of get in the left hand lane and bear off nicely to the left. If you want to go right, you have to get in the left hand lane, but then wait at some traffic lights. And then they stop the traffic coming straight on and you go around and up. So it's um, it's actually a bad accident there today. So I hope I hope everyone's OK there. But it's um, yeah, it's it's called a throughabout. And just 
oh, I couldn't wait to try it because it's it's impeded my uh, my travel time for the last couple of years. But uh, there's a bit of roundabout news, everybody. What's your verdict on it, Patch? Is it any? I've not been round it yet. Is it any, any good? Well, the 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 three times I've gone at it from both directions, I have gone straight through. So it has saved me time. Um, but there is traffic lights there. So I, I imagine, you know, it just depends on the traffic signal system and how how efficient they've got it. And I, I guess they have to sort of tweak it various times of the day or what, I don't know. But um, I've never got, I haven't gone right yet. So it's going to be weird getting in the left-hand lane to wait for to that turn traffic right. to stop, yeah. to go all the way around. Yeah. Well, they were going to do a load of the other roundabouts like that all the way around the ring road, but South Gothic Council have sort of gone, oh, let's just see how it works for a bit, shall we, before we decide, which I think is fair enough. They've halted halted it, and that was my thought, was at least see how this goes before you start doing it on every other roundabout on the ring road. Um, So, yeah, but... uh, Like the ring road needs any more work. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Um, Right, Mark, what else have you got? (laughs) (laughs) Just keep them coming. uh, I'm kind of running a bit low now. I was going to say, um, I mean, this just makes me sound like I, I, I like uh, I don't know, I'm up myself or something. But um, people use okay. So my surname right has an X in it, and in emails, I often get people using the, calling me Max. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll write to somebody, or even they'll write to me using my proper name, and then I'll write back and say, oh yeah, yeah bloody blah, blah, blah. and then they'll get back to me and call me Max, and then they'll just call me Max from then on, and it's like. <laughs> So people that get your name wrong and then it sticks, basically. Yeah, that's right. And okay. then you just sort of feel like you don't really want to correct them because, you know, it's already, you know. Anyway, so it's been this, a bit of a Okay, I can embellish on that a little bit for you. So people that start by calling me Pat, and I don't like Pat, um, it's Patch to most people, um, mm-hmm. uh, or, or Patrick in very, very formal circumstances. But if people call me pat it's like the first time do i do i get sent back and and correct them or do i run the risk of that being my name with them for the rest rest of my life yeah exactly and uh, you know i mean i'll sign my name mark and everything and just say whatever whatever it's fine i don't really mind that that much that's kind of scraping the barrel a little bit no no it's but, it's know. invoked invoked some passion in me anyway um adam have you got any anything to to add along those lines no, I've got quite a straightforward name, um, really. <laughs> the first name that ever was, if you were a believer of the Bible. Um, but yes, I've never really had that, to be honest. Um, I've, I've never thought about that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's really difficult to get my name wrong, I think. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Lovely. Right. Well, um, we're we're going to finish with a, another segment that we always do, and that's recommendations. And in the past, we've had... Uh, restaurants recommended apps for phone but it started out as as netflix recommendations and then it sort of grew to netflix apple plus prime bbc iplayer four on demand five on demand e4 oh yeah the list goes on and on do people uh, still D- use Disney. five on demand i've never i don't think, no, I don't I've, think watched I've watched channel five since i was about 15 but um <laughs> was it on then <laughs> I, <what? laughs> Uh, you gave pro- me a look then, like you're like ready to give me a backhand to pro- shut up you. Probably just about, <laughs> to be fair. And I think, didn't you have to have your, you might not know you two, but I think you had to have your VCR retuned or something to pick up Channel 5, something what, random sorry, like that. VCR? Yeah, there we go. Right, moving okay, on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, Adam, what have you been watching lately on TV or what do you want to recommend for us? So I have absolutely got myself into binge watching C on Apple TV uh-huh. and it's not my typical sort of thing that I would ever watch. So um, as I sort of alluded to earlier, sort of like Lord of the Rings sort of stuff, I'm a bit like, nah, whatever. Um, but my friend recommended it to me and um, I hadn't watched any of season one and they're well into season two now. And I have spent quite a lot of time binge watching that. Um, it's just absolutely incredible. Jason Momo's in it as the sort of main character um and the sort of there's two or three different stories that sort of weave through it and all of them i'm sort of quite invested in um and then the other thing that i absolutely adore another apple tv one is the morning show they've just started season two of that recently and i think that jennifer aniston in it is incredible um i think she's absolutely brilliant and the the sort of i used to work at bbc breakfast on on bbc one doing their social media stuff and 
the, the fact that it's actually not too sort of, you know, the world of uh, who said that, who's done this, who said, you know, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> it is classic. Um, so, yeah, I love both of those shows at the moment. They're both on my sort of like I'm working my way through watching them. Brilliant. Yeah. Now, see, I, I got into from the from season one and yeah, it, it it's the the fact obviously the premise for people who don't know is that they they can't see and there's is there one there was one child at the at the start of season one or two two yeah they're twins that could that were born see. at the same time yeah um, they sort of kept it secret from the rest of the village because they sort of chase them out as witches if you can see then you're part of the reason why we're in the situation room with the world yeah. sort of thing exactly but it does it's, it makes you think and the, the fact that they've got their, their senses have developed um you know around around that that particular ailment is quite quite interesting and and it makes you does make you think so uh, yeah, yeah great. impressive fight scenes as well yeah absolutely Incredible fight absolutely. scenes and jason momoa who i've just i've just watched june that's not my recommendation nice. although it was very good um it was not good uh, enough for a recommendation well it was it was it was two and a half hours long and it wow. got to the end and it's like that's the end of part one come back for part two oh, 2023 or whatever but um yeah, yeah again sci-fi set miles in the future i think it's i can't remember the year but it's 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 thirty thousand or something like that i can't yeah, remember something like that yeah so um I, I watched it for that for that reason because i'm into my sci-fi but um, I'll come to my recommendation afterwards because we'll finish on that. But um, Mark, what have you got for us? Um, have you guys seen Dark, the German sort of? Oh, is, is that in sci-fi? the woods? In the woods? Yeah, yeah. In, on Netflix. So I really struggle with subtitled stuff or dubbed stuff, um, right? Like, for example, Squid Games, which yeah. I just about got through because it was you know everyone's talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But which version did you watch, Patch? That's the important. So I oh, watched okay. it. I, so watched I watched the dubbed version. Oh yes, I did as well. I and everyone's well. like, "You can't watch it. You got to watch it proper with the subtitles instead." And I'm like, oh, with did their it. weird voices. Did it for me. <laughs> yeah. No, I did watch it dubbed because because I. I couldn't be bothered to read it, quite frankly. You don't want to, yeah, you don't want to sit down at eight o'clock, nine o'clock at the night and have to read. Yeah, um, look at the well, pictures. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, my recommendation does involve subtitles, unfortunately. There probably is a dubbed version. I haven't, I haven't checked it out, but it's... um. There is. It, there is. Have you seen it? Yeah, well, I watched the, the first couple of episodes of it and I think it was at a time and it was battling from my my airtime with about three other things. So yeah, I do okay. need to, I do need to go back to it. So sell it to me, Mark. All right. Okay. Well, I don't want to give too much away because part of what makes it so good is just how crazy it gets. And you kind of need to kind of be along for the ride rather than knowing what's going to happen, but it, it, it involves time travel and um, it basically just goes completely crazy. So where, where, where it starts is there's some, children being disappear- disappearing from this kind of German town in the woods, which feels very much like the setup for a lot of kind of sort of dark Scandinavian type, you know, mystery shows, but it goes, it, it very much goes off the rails quite quickly. And, and like by, it keeps building the craziness up uh, through the three seasons um, without giving too much away. There's in time travel films and time travel shows, you often get this paradox where you have, you know, like an object or an event in the future influencing the past, right? And there's loads of that kind of stuff in this, like an object that somebody in the future gives to someone in the past and then that gets taken to the future and it just never gets created. It's just in a loop. So if you like that kind of stuff, there's loads of that in that show. Um, I'm thinking the sports almanac in Back to the Future currently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the butterfly effect with Ashton Kutcher as well. Two films that do that incredibly well. Yeah, no, fantastic. Okay, so I, I've just watched, started watching uh, a series of documentaries on Sky documentaries called UFO. Um, and uh, the uh, the the fact that we've got Mark on talking about outer space, I'd like to f- I'd like to finish on that because uh, I think it's fifty years. Um, the the so some files were released fifty years you know to this to this day fifty years ago. They went into the the vault um, in the U.S. government and they've been released and they started to talk about that. I'm only into into episode one of that, but fa- fascinating fascinating stuff. No, no major developments, but 
You know, it's something that <laughs> Mark did not look surprised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, but you know, I, I've signed a non-disclosure agreement. You know, it's all yeah. Well, we've got the we've got the exclusive sorted for when they do come through. But um, but yeah, it's it's just something that's really interesting. You could take it take it all with a pinch of salt. I I pretty much sit on the fence with virtually everything, um, and I think that's part of being a podcast host you have to sort of you have to see both sides of uh of the of the um of the coin and i guess adam you do as well in your in your line of work absolutely the bbc remains impartial <laughs> yeah <laughs> but in terms of in terms of ufo there's been so many sightings and most can be explained away or or faked but um there are some some ones that are are quite quite incredible and i'm mm-hmm. looking forward to 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 finish in uh, you know, the rest of, of those shows but um mark uh ufos um anything anything you want to you want to tell us <laughs> i mean i've been i'm sworn to secrecy you know i'm i'm uh i'm getting uh i'm getting paid off by the governor not really there's, there's, some, there's someone just <laughs> just to the side of you with uh that's right it's just over with here. a weapon yeah <laughs> you dare tell them about it you've signed that document <laughs> i mean put, put it this way if there is evidence if the government or certainly the american government or whatever are sitting on loads of evidence for aliens then like my job is useless like why, why am i doing what i'm doing <laughs> i'd like to know if that's the case you know so we're spending a lot of time looking for traces of life elsewhere in the solar system but actually they've got aliens in a tank somewhere in nevada or whatever like I, and here <laughs> you are looking in, for uh, tiny little microscopic yeah exactly <laughs> independence day yeah independence so, day they, yeah. That, that springs to mind when you say about tanks in nevada yeah yeah that, that film that film was a classic yeah it is right. <laughs> it is absolutely brilliant well there's no better way to finish the podcast talking about independence day in my book um but i Adam, first of all, thank you so much for for coming on and, and co-hosting with me and and uh, talking to Mark, and also your uh, bringing back your memories of working in a planetarium. I hope it's brought back some good memories for you. Yeah, like I say, I was only there for six months, but it was great fun, you know, educating people and sort of going, here's what you can see if you go out and watch the sky tonight. And just in the sort of interest of that, you know, if you do go out and about and start looking up in the sky tonight, there's plenty of stuff you'll be able to see like tonight and the next couple of days. Mm -hmm. And if you look sort of where the moon roughly is over the next few days, um, that's where, as we mentioned earlier, Jupiter and Saturn are going to be. So if you can spot where the moon is, it's not too far from from where you'll spot uh, Jupiter and Saturn and there are as we mentioned some amazing constellations out and about too so do just get out look up and you know use an app like Starwalk to help you sort of explore those bits too it's well worth doing it's just magic isn't it absolutely is so yeah big thanks to Adam and Mark um I didn't actually know having met you several times in the past as uh, my wife's second cousin um I never knew that you were what that you were into icy moons and and uh, that sort of study so it's been great to get you on and talk about it really it's been fantastic i've, I've loved it yeah well my pleasure um it's been a lot of fun and good to rant about stuff as well at the end <laughs> <laughs> well yeah you're welcome back both of you welcome back anytime uh mark if you've got any developments that you want to share or just ha- come on and have a rant always feel free to drop us a, a line uh, we're on twitter at 3piapc if everyone listening wants to go on and follow that we've got some episodes coming up uh, on our robins reunited show so for bristol city fans i've just agreed uh, to have wayne allison and junior bent on two players from the 90s mark and adam both look like they don't know what's going on here but um bristol city fans will really appreciate that one two of my heroes Um, from the 90s so thank you so much to everyone for listening thanks mark thanks adam we'll be back again soon for now take care